thought things were weird, things got weirder this week. And uh, I suppose what I want to do today is try to speak into that. We've been going through the book of Mark for quite some time, and uh, we will continue to do that. But we're taking a little bit of a time out. We're moving away from the, the, the book of Mark just for a week, maybe two. We'll see how things go. But we want to just focus in on what's been happening I don't know if it's the same for you. For me, uh, having uh, grown up in KZN, having family still living there, this has been an emotional week. It has kept me really humbled and on my knees and, and really in touch with a whole bunch of friends and family in KZN and in Gauteng. And we've been thinking so much and praying for you. And thank you to those who've been uh, in prayer, whether in our organized prayer times or uh, whether just in your own heart. Thank you for holding our nation, our people, and some of the people in some of the tricky times in your hearts in prayer. It really has been a crazy week. It's been a painful week. It's been an encouraging week in some senses. We woke up on Monday morning to hear messages from our family who uh, had never heard gunshots from their own stoop, who had never heard the shouts of looting and rioting, but woke up on Monday morning to absolute chaos. I know that's the lived experience for many South Africans more than once, but for many South Africans, this was a first time that it got onto our doorstep and it humbled us. It kept us aware that we are in a broken world, that there is so much that requires fixing in our world. There's so much that is uh, causing unrest. And today I want to speak to that. I want to take a bit of a time out from Mark. If we've missed out on these uh, this week, you can check out some of our other congregational pages and we'll let you know how to keep up on the journey of Mark. But we just want to dig into how do we respond now? How do we face what's going on in our own hearts? How do we face what we're feeling at this time? How do we face what uh, kind of could potentially turn into bitterness or turn into a fight or a flight mode, whatever it may be? How do we deal with the stuff that's actually going on on in our lives. I want to suggest that it's going to be by coaching ourselves on how to pray. How do we pray in this time? And I know that you might be thinking, the moment I say prayer, you're saying, oh, that's a cop-out. <laughs> you're teaching us how to pray when there's so many problems. We need to do something. Come on, don't teach me to pray today. Teach me what to do. How do I respond? Well, I want to suggest today that prayer is the first place that we learn how to respond. You see, prayer is the place where we involve God in the story that we're telling ourselves. It's the place that we allow God to shape the story we're telling ourselves, and then we actually begin to act upon whatever it is we believe to be most true. You see, prayer is not our way of hiding in our homes and doing nothing. Prayer is letting God invade our hearts and our homes so that we can act rightly. And so today I want to coach us on how to pray so that we can act in a way that honors God, in a way that honors Scripture's teaching. We are not a nation who's unfamiliar with prayer, by the way. We have been a praying people for some time. 1994, it was a moment where so many of us thought, we don't know what's going to happen, and we stockpiled, and we did everything we could to prepare for the worst, and God carried us through. 
We have learned to pray. We're a people who have learned to pray. We quoted 2 Chronicles 7, 14 so many times. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and heal their land. I believe that God is in the process of healing. I can't promise what's going to come from this uh, season in our history. I wish I knew the outcome. I don't. But I do know that if we allow God to teach us how to pray, he'll teach us how to respond. And we'll have hearts that will emerge on the other side healthy and able to deal rightly in a biblical, in a God-honoring way with what we're facing. So if you've got Bibles, open up. The uh, scripture will come up on the screen. We're in Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah is one of the most famous prophets in the Old Testament, and God calls him to face some real challenge. He was about to witness and had already witnessed some real rioting, some real looting in the nation of Israel, and it was only getting worse. They were heading towards some proper challenge. And God calls Isaiah through an amazing encounter that he has in Isaiah chapter 6. And I'm going to use this passage to teach us how to pray in this season. Isaiah 6 verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two their feet, and with two they were flying. And they called to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and, and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here I am. Send me. This is God's word. God, we pray that you would teach us through your word to pray in this time. While our emotions are heightened, our certainty demolished, we pray that you, the certain one, would coach us in how to pray and how to act accordingly. Coach us today by the help of your Holy Spirit. Amen. So Isaiah had a tricky message to bring that God was going to coach him. And if you carry on reading, you'll see that Isaiah wasn't given an easy message and he wasn't living in a simple time. And yet you see Isaiah has these amazing kind of parts of his experience where firstly he experiences the glory of God. He sees who God is. And I want to use the story of Isaiah as he sees who God is, then he sees who he is, and then he moves accordingly to coach us in how to pray. Now I live in a sort of small little crescent. And it takes about five to ten minutes to walk around, depending on how quickly or slowly you walk. And whenever I'm going through an interesting time in life where I've got something that is bothering me, I take a prayer walk. And I get out of my office chair, and I simply get out and I walk a loop. And typically that loop, that block, is enough to bring whatever's going on to God. Now today, I think there are four loops we need to do, four blocks we need to walk if we are going to rightly coach our hearts, rightly respond to what we're facing as a nation today. So the first 
block that we're going to walk, the first prayer we need to learn to pray is the prayer of perspective. The prayer of perspective. I don't know if you noticed, but the beginning of this passage, the Lord is on the throne. Isaiah has a vision of God seated on the throne, and he sees God in all his glory, surrounded by the angels. If Isaiah didn't have a high view of God before this, now he is shaking in his boots, having seen who God really is. He is awed. He is amazed by God. He gets a perspective about who he is in the light of God's glory, and he finds himself simply gobsmacked. He doesn't know what to say except, woe is me. But have you picked up that right in the very first line, it says, in the year that King Uzziah died. So how's this? You've got this picture of the Lord, high and enthroned, the gracious, kind God, the defeater of death and darkness and sin. We know that in Jesus Christ, he beats sin and Satan and death, and we have this glorious God that we see. But concurrently with that, Uzziah died, and people die, and death and decay still happens. I've preached this before, I've, I've, I've showed us this before, that we live in a, a world where we have the overlap of the ages. We have this reality that we live in a world where God is seated on the throne, he's high and exalted, and he has great power and great dominion, but he has allowed the forces of darkness to also have some power, to have some sway. Jesus in John chapter 10 says, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He's talking about Satan, sin, and death. Comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And he carries on, he says, but I have come that you might have life. You see, what Jesus understands and we need to understand is we live in a world where Satan so badly wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And Jesus has come to give life and give it to the full. And we have an overlapping of the ages. Death has been defeated. Sin and Satan and death has been defeated, but it hasn't yet been destroyed. And so one of the prayers of perspective that we pray is that we realize that Jesus really is seated on the throne. But that doesn't mean that we can't expect for difficult times to come. That we can't expect, as Jesus said, trouble will come. I know this is sobering, but it must fuel and fill our view of how we see the world. Troubles will come. There is a day coming, says the scriptures, where Jesus will return and he will wrap it all up and sin and Satan and death will be, receive the final blow and all will be done and destroyed. But for now, we have the overlap of the ages where the kingdom of God is breaking in, but the kingdom of darkness is fighting back. And we can't be surprised. As we walk around the block and we pray our prayers of perspective, we must go, Jesus, you're on the throne. But I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised when corruption and decay and brokenness and destruction happens in the world. I can't be surprised. You said it would happen. I must be aware that I live in this world, in these two overlapping ages, and I need perspective. And it's not just in South Africa. It's, it's all kinds of news headlines, whether you go to the United Kingdom and the racial difficulties they're facing or, or the uh, kind of into, uh, breaking into the capital in America, or you go to the Middle East or the Far East. It doesn't matter where you go. The overlap of the ages means that the thief is still trying to steal, kill, and destroy, and yet Jesus is bringing life, and he's trying uh, by his power to bring life to the full. And we ought to remind ourselves 
that this is always going to be the case, this side of Jesus returning. Hey, we don't just need that global perspective. The, the second half of this perspective prayer is I need internal perspective. I need to sometimes look in my own heart because like Isaiah, as he saw the glory of God and he got perspective, he then looked into himself and what did he pray? Woe is me. I'm, I'm a man of unclean lips and I live amongst a people of unclean lips. He's simply going, oh my goodness, I'm more sinful than I first thought. In the, in the light of God's goodness, I don't have it all together. I've got some stuff going on here that's not great. I've got sin. And it's so easy for us as the church who've got some, you know, a sense of our own moral authority and our own morality to look down our noses at people and go, you know what, I could have led that so much better. If he just did that, I would never do what they did. And the scriptures make it clear that there is still a root of sin that continues to try to cause us to take opportunities and to cut corners. And we do it every day. And Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, you're very dangerous when you try to point out a speck in another person's eye when you might have a log in your own. When we're getting perspective, I would really encourage us in this season to not look down our noses at people and go, you are the worst. Before we actually remain humble and go, I have some of the worst still in me. And I want to learn to love well, lest I become bitter or angry. Whether I, lest I become a fighter or a flighter, I want to be humble. I want to be like Isaiah, woe is me, I have stuff in me that needs changing. That's not to say that we condone corruption. It's not to say that we condone looting or breaking or stealing. Absolutely, we condemn it. But we need to realize that it's not ours to judge, that we get to love people and to not become arrogant and judgmental. Would I loot? I don't know about you, but I don't know. Given the right circumstances, given the pain, given the loss, given the lack, would I? I don't know. I hope not. That's the first block. We pray the prayer of perspective. Lord Jesus, would you help us to have perspective? That we live in the overlap of the ages where your kingdom has broken in and there is much to expect of your grace flowing to our lives, but there is much to expect by way of the thief coming to steal, kill, and destroy. Help us to expect more of your kingdom, but to be unsurprised by the inbreakings of pain and death and darkness. And that we would be those who hope in the better day, the arrival of the kingdom to come more and more in our world. May, us, may we be a people who manage these tensions of a broken world and a hope-filled future. Help us. The second prayer we pray is the prayer of lament. The prayer of lament. Now this is a very unpopular term in our world. We come from basically a Western mindset and uh, largely influenced by an Americanized thinking. An Americanized Western mindset says, stay positive. You're the winner. If you keep a positive mindset, you can do anything. How much of the Psalms are laments? Almost 50%. Almost 50% of the psalms are psalms of lament, are psalms where they are teaching us that there is brokenness in the world and we are out of control of what's going on. Isaiah gets word that King Uzziah has died and he doesn't pretend it hasn't happened. We don't leave that line out. It is a time of pain. 
I think of Jeremiah 9 verse 10. It says, I weep for the pasture land in the hill country. This is written 3,000 years ago, and it makes me feel so close to some of the pain of what's happened in KZN and Gauteng. He says, I weep for the pasture land in the hill country. It is so barren and scorched that no one travels there. No, one, no cattle can be found there, and birds and wild animals have all disappeared. This is painful. Many people have lost so much this week. How quick it is to destroy things that have taken decades, sometimes centuries, to build. It's not a popular term, lament, but it's an important term. Lament allows us to go to the place of suffering and pain without sliding into the gutter of shame and self-hate. To lament is to acknowledge the pain that we aren't home and that this world is too often marked by evil and injustice, says Daniel Hill. Lament is honesty before God and each other. It grants us the freedom to no longer view success as the only viable outcome. It gives us permission to admit that we aren't capable of fixing the problems we've suddenly been awakened to. Lament allows us to acknowledge the limitations of human strength and to look solely to the power of God instead. Lament is not grumbling. It's not complaining. It's not hopelessness or a victim mentality. It's an honest acknowledgement of both the facts and the feelings associated with them. I want to caution us to not uh, slip into the gutters of self-hate or shame, but to find ourselves rightly and realistically acknowledging that there is pain in the world, and we can't fix it all. And sometimes, as Romans 12 says, we just mourn with those who mourn. We cry because it's painful. We cry because it's simply a difficult season to be in. I've cried many tears this week and have witnessed many family members crying because the towns they grew up in, the people and the businesses they've loved so much have been decimated. Can you fix it? Can I fix it? No. But I can cry with them. I can feel with them. I'm going to ask Mark to come lead us in a prayer of lament as we simply just for a moment um, experience just that bit of lament. Mark, come into the screen here. Uh, Morning, guys. Um, I've written a prayer of lament. Why don't you just uh, pray with me? Father, hear us. Hear our prayer this morning. We cry to you, our, our God, our Father. You are the one we look to for comfort, strength, and support today. Thank you that you invite us to bring ourselves, our lament, our sin before you as part of our healing and your work in us. Father, we have seen this week how our land is still full of pain and division. How long will it persist, Lord? Our hearts, our loved ones, lands, homes, marketplaces, places of work and worship were damaged and destroyed as if worthless. What took generations and backbreak of South Africans to build and put in place was destroyed in a few days by a few. We grieve, Father, that our lives, our places have been offered as an exchange for power and self-enrichment. Father, criminal elements joined in the looting, invading our vulnerable people and our places to cash in on the chaos. And Father, we've seen the poor and desperate put on unfamiliar natures, looting to eat and to be clothed. 
The cost to our people and our nation is great, and the effects will not quickly fade. Right now, our people are still vulnerable, hurting, hungry, and sick. And we need you, Father. We need forgiveness. We need a justice that you approve of, your restoration and redemption, your wisdom and your grace, your great mercy. We need your touch in our hearts as a nation. Indeed, we need you, Father. And as you have done before, in your beloved Son, Jesus, will you, will you freshly give yourselves to, to our nation and, give, and make our hearts ready to receive you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Mark. This is a prayer we need to continue to pray lest we let our hearts grow hard, lest we let our hearts lose an awareness that Jesus moves towards us in our pain. The next block we walk around is the prayer of intervention. We've prayed the prayer of perspective. We've prayed the prayer of lament. Now we pray the prayer of intervention. We look at verse 8 in Isaiah's words. It says, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? There's an urgency in the heart of God to bring his kingdom. And he's looking for people who he, through whom he will do it. There's an excitement in God to bring redemption to the world. He is not a distant God who turned and wound the clock up and left it to tick. No, we live under a God who wants to intervene, who has broken in in his son Jesus Christ and desires and will continue to break in. This week, I was just gobsmacked watching as a nation rallied together. There was a sense of God intervening, God bringing together. My, my dad says to me, he has never experienced such unity in the city he grew up in. He's never experienced such a sense of camaraderie and people working together. That doesn't diminish the pain. We continue to lament that, but we continue to ask that God would intervene, and we're learning to pray these prayers. These are the blocks you walk around and people go, this guy looks a little excited. What is he doing while he walks around this block? Because we're expecting that God will move and that God will move powerfully. We're expecting God to bring shalom to this world. We're asking God. You see, shalom is the, is the fabric of society all woven together. The society we live in is made up of so many different strands, whether it's our social lives, whether it is our political lives, whether it is our emotional, mental. They're all various strands, our financial, our, our vocational. All of these make up the strands of life. And to live in shalom is when all those strands are woven together to hold us in a place of joy, a place of flourishing. We pray into those strands that are broken. We pray into those parts of life that are simply not flourishing. I think of truth. I'll speak to that in a moment. I think of, of justice, trusting God to bring justice, to, to bring criminals uh, in, to, to, to justice, Hey, to bring unity, to trust that some of the unity we've experienced in this season would grow. It wouldn't be just a, a one-week wonder. It would be a growing movement of intense unity amongst the people of our nation. Hey, this church has magnificently stood up and, and has moved by God. We trust that God will continue to move the church to, towards love and towards good deeds. The prayer of intervention includes prayer for restoration and comfort. There is great loss. There is great pain. 
We've got to trust that in this time, God would intervene. That the comfort wouldn't come in just restoring a business. The comfort would come in a Father God who comes to love people. To bring them home into the truest home, which is His heart. We're praying for His intervention that the gospel of Jesus Christ would make sense to many hearts who have shunned it till, the, till now. As you walk around the block praying for intervention, as we live out these prayers, we trust in God that He will break in. I would pray the prayer of wisdom, that God would intervene by giving wisdom in the corridors of power, in the places of uh, civil society leadership. We're trusting God that he would give wisdom because there is so much need for wisdom. Hey, I don't know what interventionary prayers you're praying, but Jesus calls it, he says, thy kingdom come. That's what he teaches us to pray. Let's pray that the kingdom of God would begin to break out in our land. Let's pray that more and more there would be stories emerging of unity, of love, of teaming together to push back darkness and to bring shalom back to our society. I'm going to ask next to pray a prayer of intervention for us. Won't you join in these prayers as we trust God for these moments? Over to next. Let's pray together. God, we ask you to intervene in our nation and Aside from this week, but this week included, we, our eyes are freshly open to our great need for you as a country, as people, as individuals. God, we think of the racial divides, the economic divides, the, the brokenness that sits within our past and even our present. And we pray your kingdom come, your will be done in South Africa as it is in heaven over these places of, of destruction and desolation, we pray your kingdom come. We pray for your shalom. We ask you to intervene more than we hold our breath for um, community organizations and um, other, other groupings to intervene. We, our hope is in you to intervene by your power, Holy Spirit. Won't you come and do it, God? We pray in an age of misinformation and fake news. We pray for truth. In, in, in a space where sometimes we're not exactly sure what's going on, who's behind this, we, we pray that your truth would come. We pray for justice in that area. We pray for restoration for businesses, for areas, for infrastructure, economic restoration. And that through that, that that would almost be, a as we see physical restoration, that that would be, in a sense, a prophetic picture for the, the restoration for us as a, um, as a nation, we pray. We pray for, um, for comfort for many people who are grieving. We pray that you would intervene in that way. And we pray for our leaders, that you would intervene by giving them wisdom, by guiding them, by guiding decision makers, by guiding process. We pray, God. Bring your kingdom. Would your kingdom come? Come and intervene. We, we freshly place our hope in you. Amen. 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 Final block we walk of prayer is the prayer of availability. Notice right at the end, Isaiah has seen the glory of God. He's seen his fallen self. He's, he's received grace from God. The angel comes and touches his lips and says, you have been forgiven. Your sins have been atoned for. I, I don't know what your sense of guilt might be in life, whether you feel like you don't do enough or you do too much or you're not present enough or whatever it is. So much of our lives is filled with a sense of guilt that we just aren't who we wish we would be. Well, when you compare to God, none of us are who we ought to be. And wonderfully, 
in Jesus Christ, we get the fulfillment of this picture of this angel cleansing Isaiah. In Jesus, we get uh, the beautiful story of God coming and taking upon himself what should have been ours, the punishment for our own rebellion. And Jesus offers us a whole new clean slate, and he says, now that you are loved, now that you know your love a relationship with God, now that you are an, a child, now go. Go be a child. Go love like a son or a daughter of the king. And Isaiah has this word, and who shall go? And he says, here I am, Lord, send me. Here I am, Lord, send me. The Christian distinction throughout history has been when many have been fleeing. Now, don't receive too, any heavy guilt if you're planning to immigrate. But when people have been fleeing, the Christians have been moving towards the pain. Over whether it's been through uh, the trials of um, uh, pandemics, whether it's been through the fires in, in Rome in the first century, whether it's been in all kinds of pain, the, the followers of Jesus have tended to move towards the pain. Why? I would suggest, I would suggest it's because Jesus moved towards the pain. In the moment where there was the chance for highest redemption, Jesus didn't run away from the pain. He went towards it, knowing that it would bring about transformation for humanity. And ever since he set the example and washed his disciples' feet and said, go and do likewise, followers of Jesus have been doing the same. Just today, right now as I speak, across KZN and Gauteng, many churches are moving towards the pain. They're finishing their church meetings and they are going to clean streets and serve people. Hey, I don't exactly know what us in Cape Town can do. There are hu huge amounts of things we can do. We can check our social media. Common Good are guiding us beautifully and how we can be part of the change. But, but I don't know what exactly you're going to do. But the point is, is that we need to be in a posture of saying, here I am, Lord. Send me. What could I do? May I not be those who run away from pain, but those who engage with pain, who, who move towards it in love and in service. Uh, this is a, a difficult word. This is not to be misread for those who are facing all kinds of big questions about life and safety. But I do want to suggest that we stay available. Available to love and to forgive when our hearts are tending towards anger and unforgiveness. Available to serve with our works, like I mentioned. Hey, get on our Common Good website. We want to coach you on how to serve what's going on in this time. To serve with our wealth, there is so much need to be plugging the gaps of what's been lost. Hey, available to speak. I think of Psalm, uh, Proverbs, I think it's 15, which says, A gentle word turns away wrath. We are filled with so much fake news at the moment. You're on a platform called Facebook, which is teaching us so much all the time, much of which isn't true. I wonder if we would be a force for good. I don't want any of us addicted to our devices or addicted to our screens, but bringing a gentle word, a word of calm, a word of encouragement, a word of love in a time where we might want to pull away and go, I don't want to be part of that. What if we could just bring a peaceful, non-anxious presence in a time where there's so many problems?
What if we could be those who contribute caringly and lovingly and calmly on these platforms? When we're in conversations, that we bring peace and we bring calm. We, we contribute to shalom. Let's resist heated, fear-induced contributions that add more heat than light. Hey, let's have those conversations with our very trusted friends who we can talk in person with on the phone if we need to vent let's vent in those spaces with trusted safe people but let's not vent on on public platforms that leave everyone going what to do and confused i land with this thought esther in the scriptures is put in a fascinating position simply because of uh, the king of uh, of king nebuchadnezzar's interest in her I beg your pardon, it's not King Nebuchadnezzar. It's the king of the time, and, and he's interested in, in, in Esther because she's beautiful. And she becomes queen of this nation that, that it just would never have thought of. She's a Jewish girl in a foreign land, and she becomes the queen. And there's this threat that's put out that the Jewish people are going to be annihilated. And she gets word from one of her, uh, her, her um, people come and say to her, Esther. You've got to do something. You're the only person who can say something. And then this beautiful line, Esther, could it be that God has you here for such a time as this? And I wonder today if each of us could hear in the new covenant Jesus whispering over us, could it be that each of us, with whatever little bit or part we have to play, are put here for such a time as this, to simply have perspective, to, to simply lament when we need to lament. To simply pray the prayer that God would have us. The prayer of availability. And say, could it be God that you've got me right where you want me? For such a time as this. To contribute how you would have me contribute. And to love and forgive how you would have me love and forgive. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you have us right where you want us. Thank you that Isaiah saw you for who you are, the, the great God who's seated on the throne. And I pray today that we would see you in all your glory and yet be unsurprised by the pain and the troubles that we face. I pray that you would coach us to hold those tensions in place and to be a loving force for good in this time. God, that we would bring our love in the opposite spirit of the age, that we would bring our love bringing unity and love rather than disunity and division. Coach us as we learn to respond rightly in a troubled time. We pray that you would, with the help of your Holy Spirit, bring peace and calm to our hearts, and that you'd unify us as a, as a church and as a nation. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.